Good morning again. Um, why not take your seat again? Fantastic. One thing from the essentials that is good to mention. On Tuesday, we've got our monthly day of prayer. And so we set aside a whole load of time and you can sign up for 30 minute slots and we give you information about what to pray for, for through church and through the country, everything like that. And um, so do sign up for that and you can do that in your own home. So that's a wonderful thing as well. <laughs> But uh, it's our, Tuesday is our day of prayer, half an hour slots, and the information is on the essentials. Wow, what a week it's been. And we're pressing pause on our current series. We just started an Easter series. We're really excited about famous last words of Jesus on the cross. It's wonderful. But in fact, the talk's written. But then, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, it was just everything was changing. And um, so Anna and I are going to tag team this morning, which is always fun. And it means that people, my bit doesn't matter what happens, you'll remember Anna's. So that, that's wonderful. But we were going to pause and just speak into what's happening in the world today. And, you know, I'm sure you're aware, I'm sure you are, of the, uh, the unrest that's around. I mean, even the football was cancelled, which is like, I mean, it's really tough when the football's off. Um, but I guess we're all thinking in some respect, what should we do? Because we can either try really, really hard to not worry and go on with life as normal. We could uh, buy shares in hand sanitizer and toilet roll. We could go that extreme. Or we could prepare for the end of the world. Like there's a few different options there. So how do we respond as church and as followers of Jesus? Now, we don't want to pretend to be experts around what's going on at the moment. Um, I feel like I'm becoming one with all the social media I'm reading. And I can't tell you what will unfold in the next few months, what they'll look like. And I think actually a lot of the experts don't really know what's happening either. But we just want to speak into this or try to, to church from a perspective of faith. And we'll do our best in this moment to give us some pointers um, for church and for us. We're not going to make any long-term decisions today. Uh, we always think that like in a moment of, of panic, it's best uh, to not project too far in the future, um, but just to make good decisions each day. And so things might change day by day. But we are praying for wisdom uh, and to make the best decisions as followers of Jesus. When I, I was finishing my other talk and it was like Friday and I was out and about and I just got speaking to a whole load of different people out and about, maybe four different people. And uh, they were just so open to talk in a way that I wouldn't normally have found. And of course, they're concerned about the future and the debates about schools closing and travel bans and empty aisles in the shops. And just chatting, I realized afresh, like how much we have to offer the world at this time. Like at any time, really, but particularly this one, we have the opportunity to reach a lost and hurting world. So this morning, the little bit I want to do is just remind us of something really simple, but incredibly formational. And, and maybe you're here exploring faith, actually, and, and this is like an invitation to you to a new kind of reality as well. But as followers of Jesus, we can forget the things that we know are true because we get emotional or we can get flooded with questions or doubts creep in. And the thing that I want to talk about and reunite in us and Anna prayed about it before is hope. Okay, is hope. We can have hope. 
And we can have hope in any situation, whether you're, you're sat in front of a pile of bills at home, or we can have hope as we watch the stats about the virus, or you can have hope when you're waiting for a job offer after being made redundant. We can have hope because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so many people are asking that question at the moment. Is there hope? Where is it going to come from? And we have things like optimism and, 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 and positivity, and they are wonderful things, but they're just based on how we think. Hope is theological, like it's based on some facts and reality about God and our relationship with him. It's passionately trusting, and it's trusting someone who can make a difference. And hope never denies reality. Um, it's still believing that God is greater than the situation we're in. It's not faking it. It's not pretending. It's not kind of psyching ourselves up. It's, it's not saying, oh, there's no health risk and we don't have to worry about anything. There's hope in the reality because of what God has promised. When I was uh, growing up, I was surrounded by traditional hymns all the time. And there's incredible words, as you know, in these hymns. I mean, I struggle when I was young in particular with the kind of ancient words and the complex metaphors. But there's been one that has come to mind several times this week. It might be because Anna's been humming it around the house. But it runs like this. It says, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And that is the incredible reality that we need to keep reminding ourselves. And we have a wonderful opportunity, an invitation to anybody who feels at sea today or this week. In Jesus, we've got an anchor for our soul. So that it can be steadfast and sure. What anything else goes crazy around, we're invited into this experience and this security and this hope with Jesus. And I know over the years and even through the wobbles, that's been my experience. And I know it has for many of you as well. Jesus is the source of hope that never lets us down. You'll find that all through the Bible. Just a couple of verses that I wanted to pick out this morning. In Isaiah, 3,000 years ago, this is written. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's my prayer for us at the moment, that we'd run and not grow weary and that we'd walk and not go faint. And it's this kind of spiritual strength and spiritual energy that we need. Well, the author of Hebrews puts it this way. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. It says in the order of Melchizedek, this is to help the kind of Jews understand and what Jesus is and who, what he's doing. Listen to that language of hope. It's an anchor. It's unbreakable. It's a spiritual lifeline. And hope is in the Bible everywhere. Just some examples to run your way. It says, 
Um, I pray that your eyes will be open to the hope in which you're called. Uh, Then it talks about hope stored in heaven. And it talks about hope that Jesus will deliver us. And he already has and he he will. Um, The hope of of raising the dead to new life. Hope of salvation. Hope of whole creation. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived that God has prepared for those who have hope in him. On and on again. And it's the kind of hope that we need. And to not let drop. This is to build our lives on. Again, it's not wishing. It's not really feeling. It's it's not just expecting even. It's knowing for certain what we have, what we hoped for. Read that verse in Hebrews again, just in a different translation. It says, the certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It's strong it's certain it's confident it's guaranteed we can count on it it says it's trustworthy which means it's dependable it's reliable you can bet your life on it and it's an anchor just like that hymn that I mentioned a little bit earlier uh, if you think about a, a ship it has an anchor and it's got two purposes it stops the the boat drifting and then it gives it stability in the storm what God wants to do even this morning stop us from drifting and give us stability in the storm so why share that is just to remind us is to remind us that the invitation of Jesus is to be forgiven that he rescues us into relationship with God we can rejoice even in tough times we have a certain eternal hope Um, So we have this hope, which is incredible. So how do we be people of hope? How do we demonstrate that to the world around us, particularly at this uncertain time? You know, I was listening, I don't know if you were, to the uh, press conference that Boris Johnson gave, you know, when he unpacked some of the pretty somber realities concerning the nature of the impact of uh, COVID-19. And, you know, how do we carry hope in the light of that well we've actually been really helped as we've we've listened and we've uh, chatted to to pastor friends and mentors across the pond uh, as well and I'm I'm going to base our response this response a little bit on some excellent wisdom that I've gleaned largely from a pastor called Craig Groeschel so I don't know if you've ever heard of him but if you haven't he writes brilliant books and he's um and he's written some some great stuff in response to this so You know, firstly, we can be people of hope as we choose to live by faith and not by fear. Now, I know we've said that quite a bit today, but we have a choice. We really do in these moments. And this doesn't mean that we ignore the guidelines, you know, to prevent the spread of the virus. It doesn't mean we carry on regardless and we don't need hand sanitizer and take, you know, take unnecessary risks. We don't want to be those people. Um, No, it means in the midst of this time, we can be free from anxious fear and we can be full of faith in a God who loves us and can give us his peace. There's a great verse uh, in John 14, 27, and it is beautiful. And it says this, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. 
You know, God is able to give us peace that goes beyond human understanding. And that is so wonderful, and we need it. So that we can be a non-anxious presence in the midst of a panicking world. So that we can carry, carry this peace in a way that attracts people. You know, because someone who carries that peace is attractive. It can draw people to God. And we want that. And we can have peace because God, uh, you know, he knows what we're going through. He, re he really does. And I, I don't know if you've had a fleeting thought, oh, God, do you know that this is happening? Like, you know, stuff's going really badly wrong. Are you, are you aware of this? <laughs> you know, he's, he's not up there thinking, I didn't see that coming. This is a big shock. <laughs> he's, he sees the whole story. He does. And we can be confident in his goodness. And there are, there are four things that I feel like we really, really need to know in this moment about God that can fill us with peace. The first thing is that God is faithful. He is, and he, he does what he says he's going to do. He is who he says he is, and we can trust that. And he is good. This stuff, coronavirus, all of that, that is not good. But is that, that is not of God. Okay, and he is good. Okay. And he won't leave us and he won't forsake us. That's the third thing we really need to know. And it's really important because some of us might have to self-isolate. Some of us might need to be on our own. Us extroverts are going to find this really difficult. Okay. Please call me. Please. I'll be, I'll be biting at the bit. I will. It'll be difficult. But God will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He is with us right in the heart of this. He is with us, and he wants to be closer than ever. And he's working in all things. You know, this time may be difficult and hard to navigate for many, but God is still at work. He has not given up on us. In, in, in fact, it's on the contrary. You know, he is right with us. He's right in the center of this situation. He's in the middle of it all. And I believe that he's empowering us. I believe, you know, us who are church, us who love Jesus, that he is empowering us to be a body of peace, a people of hope, to, um, people who are able to show extraordinary love uh, in, in amazing ways at this unprecedented time in history. So we can be a people of hope as we, as we, we, um, as we choose faith and not fear. And secondly, and this leads on really, but we can be a people of hope by being sacrificial and not selfish. Now, to the church in Philippi, Paul, who is the writer of many of the New Testament letters, he writes this, and I love it. It's Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It's, he just says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. And, you know, during the early church, the believers in Jesus faced extreme persecution. They really did. Life was incredibly hard. But what were they encouraged to do? They were encouraged to put others ahead of themselves. And in the same way, God is inviting us to live sacrificially, to think of others before ourselves in this moment. And I just want to chat briefly about what that can look like practically for us. Firstly, it looks like being willing to share. 
And I don't know if you, like me, have been to the supermarket recently. I don't know if you have seen the strange sight of whole aisles completely bare because of panic buying. You know, I, I, felt, I felt odd because we really needed toilet roll. <laughs> I felt odd taking that toilet roll to the cashier and saying, can I have this please? <laughs> because, you know, it, there's hardly any left. It, let's be willing to share and not hoard. Let's think about how we can connect with our church family, with our neighbours, with those that we know, and make sure that everyone has enough, you know, especially when the virus is at its peak in a few weeks' time. And we mentioned the neighbours' cards to you earlier. We love that idea. You know, maybe thinking even in this moment, who could I give one of those to? Could I reassure an elderly neighbour or a family member or a friend that I'll be there? You know, if they need to self-isolate, I can do the shopping. I can pop little notes through their door. I can call them. And if you find yourself isolated at some point in this next few months and um, you need support, we want you to reach out. We want you to feel that you can reach out and that we can help you. Let's not do any of this alone. And I love that passage. I'm sure you do too from Acts 2. Um, verses 44 to 46. It's an incredible picture of the church at its best. And I feel like we need to seek to really emulate this kind of love and sacrifice at this time. I'll just read a little bit to you. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It says every day they continued to meet. Now, you know, at this time, people will miss church <laughs> and community gatherings to stay safe. And that is right, and that is understandable. And we will try to run church in this way next week, but we are listening to the recommendations, and the advice is constantly changing and at some point we may need to press pause on our on our larger gatherings but we are not going to give up meeting together we are not going to give up encouraging one another we are not going to give up spurring one another on to love and good deeds you know be that online or over the phone and let's not stop finding ways to pray and to worship together and to be family we need to do this even more than we've ever done in this season. I think God's going to do something amazing for us as a community as we do that. And, you know, let's even use the telephone call function. Do you, rem do you remember those days? Do you? We used to talk to each other on the phone. And, you know, I'm so excited. I'm not tech savvy. I'm like, this is amazing. This is the moment where everybody starts ringing me up. And uh, I'm so excited. So please do that. That would be great. And you know, let's do that again. And let's find all the other amazing functions on our phones that we can. Skype, Zoom, you know, Facebook calls. Wow, we've got so many ways that we can connect um, in this day and age. Let's be family. Not once a week, but often. You know, maybe even daily.
Are there, pe- are there people on our minds? Are there people in our small groups? Are there people in our hearts that we could just connect with even today and say, I'm there for you. If you need me, you know, or whatever, or even you just need a chat about the weather. Because us extroverts will really miss that if we have to self-isolate. It will be really difficult. (laughs) Okay. We're going to try some new things as church. We're going to try our best to connect well online. And we're going to create opportunities for people to meet in different ways. And hopefully that means if you're unwell or if you feel like it's not um, totally wise for you to come along, you can still have community and nurture through Vineyard 53. Um, What else do I want to say? Great. Let's go back to the early church. It says they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We are not going to stop worshiping. Please do not stop worshiping. Do not stop connecting with the Lord and just pouring your heart out to him in praise and in worship. And we are not going to stop praying and seeking his face. As John said, we have an opportunity as a church to come together, to galvanize, to pray on Tuesday, be a part of that and do loads more as well. You know, and God is going to do amazing things as we partner with him. We believe that God is going to use this time for good. It is a moment of opportunity, you know, and it's a season where many will be looking for hope, for good news, and we have incredible news in Jesus. And our prayer, as I'm sure many of yours is, is that there will be a huge shift in openness in this time and that many will be added to our number just as they experienced there in the early church. And it's exciting. This is a time when we can utilize the power of social media and the internet to amplify our message of hope. And we're excited for that. You know, before the global pandemic, people were on their phones the majority of the time anyway. Now, (laughs) you know, that is only going to massively increase. And we want to be a presence in that place. A pla- you know, we want to be on multiple platforms, communicating hope and, and offering community in a different way. God is encouraging us to be a people of hope. People who live by fear, no, by faith. Correct me, because we all wobble, don't we? People who live by faith and not by fear. People who are sacrificial and not selfish. We're called to shine in this really strange and unsettled and for many anxious time. And we have something that no other organization on earth can offer. We have Jesus. We have peace. We have faith. And we have hope.